You're listening to the Solar Disruption Theory Podcast. Step inside some of the most forward-thinking minds in solar today. This show explores a deeper side of solar each month as Freedom Forever leaders sit down with CEOs, activists, and other solar experts to break the solar industry wide open. We'll discuss solar trends, news, and everything you need to know about how you can join us on the path of disruption. This is the Solar Disruption Theory. Hey everyone, welcome to the Solar Disruption Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sean McCready. Joining me as always is Freedom Forever CEO, Brett Bushy. Hey Brett, so glad to have you back. This is third episode back. Yeah, good afternoon, Sean. It's great, it's great to be back and get in the normal cadence of you know doing the shows again. Right. It's been amazing. And how's everything going in your world? What's new? Uh, it, you know, we're obviously working on the launch and focusing on Freedom's growth. Yep. And the next couple of quarters are really going to be transformative for us as a company with some of the initiatives and the strategic initiatives that we're announcing with Vivint yep. Smart Home. So we're excited about it. Yeah, awesome stuff. There's some really cool stuff coming up with, with Vivint. If you didn't hear our last episode, uh, go give it a listen. Uh, lots of really exciting moves that Freedom Forever is making. So, uh, but for today, in today's episode, we're gonna be discussing solar policy with Freedom Forever's new policy director, Steve Latender. Steve advises the executive team on state and federal policies that impact the residential solar market and has over two decades of experience as a renewable energy policy analyst and economist. Prior to joining Freedom Forever, he was a principal associate at the energy and environmental consulting firm, Synapse Energy Economics. He's worked on a range of energy policy topics for a variety of organizations, including the US Department of Energy, Maine Governor's Office, California Air Resources Board, Green Mountain Power, New York State Energy Research and Development Authority, and the Maryland Office of People's Council. Steve has a master's degree in economics and a PhD in urban affairs and public policy with a specialization in energy policy from the University of Delaware and has authored dozens of reports and articles in leading energy publications. Steve, that's quite a list. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you, Sean, and, and thank you, Brett, for having me this afternoon. Uh, a pleasure to be here. It's yeah. exciting stuff. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have you. Uh, Steve, I was lucky enough to be able to work with you on a few different projects, which we're going to get into a little bit later. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your role at Freedom Forever and kind of your background? Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity. So, yeah, so as Sean mentioned, um, you know, I've been in the, the energy business for my virtually my entire career. When I, when I first started off, I was... Um, employed as an energy economist down in North Carolina at the Research Triangle Institute. And when I first started in the industry, I was working on energy efficiency. This was back in the early 1990s when um, it was this kind of strange thing where utilities were encouraging their customers to use less electricity. Mm -hmm. uh, it was what they called energy efficiency or demand side management. And utilities were required to do this by state commissions. And so what they do is they would incentivize their customers to be more efficient in the way that they use energy. And as an economist, I was helping them understand kind of the benefits and the cost of, of doing that. So that was my really first introduction to the energy field. And then I just got really interested in the challenges. Um, mm -hmm. The energy that we consume is is mostly produced from fossil fuels. Right. And of course, we all know that fossil fuels, uh, when we burn them to generate electricity, it releases carbon. And we're all experiencing the effects of uh, increasing carbon emissions and uh, the impact that's having on our climate. Right. 
So, um, so I really got interested in uh, clean energy sources. So that led to uh, my pursuing a PhD at the University of Delaware, and I was uh, working as a research assistant um, with funding from the U.S. Department of Energy. And at that time, this was in the mid-1990s, no one was really thinking about solar and, and connecting it to the grids. Right. Solar was used largely in off-grid applications or remote locations where you didn't have access to the power lines. And so um, as a research assistant, I was evaluating well, what's the value? What's the benefit of uh, connecting solar to the grid? Um, and so now you fast forward 20 years and now the grid connected market is huge and Freedom Forever is really on the cutting edge leading this transformation of our electric uh, system from a centralized fossil fuel based system to a distributed clean energy system. Right. So that's kind of a little bit of my background, which kind of brought me to freedom. In, in my current role, I think of it as having three primary functions. As you mentioned, the first function is to monitor state uh, level f and uh, federal policies that affect our industry. And uh, this industry, like many industries, is affected by the ecosystem, the, the context in which we operate. And so the solar industry is very much uh, affected by state policy, federal policy. And so it's a very important as a company that we're kind of on the edge of that, understanding what's coming down the pike and how does it uh, impact uh, our business. Right. So what was it about Freedom Forever that intrigued you to bring you over? Yeah, well, you know, I was looking around as, as, uh, as you mentioned, I had been working as a uh, consultant, uh, working on a variety of different energy topics, and I was really wanting to uh, kind of get into the inside game. And so I was looking around the industry and looking at different companies and what they're doing. And it was really exciting to see that Freedom was really pioneering something that no other company has, is doing. Really, they're focusing on the core competency of an operations company. Right. We've got hundreds of folks that are out there day in and day out, rolling trucks, getting on roofs, installing solar, really creating what I call uh, a gigawatt machine, mm -hmm. right? We're yeah. out there day in and day out <laughs> installing solar. And uh, I know within the next couple of years that we're going to be installing one gigawatt of solar annually. And that, uh, you know, requires four megawatts of solar to be installed every day, day in and day out. Right. And so I was really excited about, um, you know, being part of that process, that system to create this massive machine that's out there really delivering this distributed energy future that I think offers so much promise. Right. Brett, when you hear something like that, when you when you hear about the future and, and what we know is going to happen with Freedom Forever and installing a gigawatt a year, what how's that? I mean, how do, what do you feel about that? You know, first of all, it was hitting a, a milestone of doing a megawatt in a day, which right. we did a couple months ago. And, uh, you know, we are consistently you know, installing a megawatt a day already. Yeah. So that's already just, we have to quadruple that number. So right. that seemed overwhelming a few years ago, but sure. now that just seems like our normal course of business. Yeah. And, you know, we were just in the Inc. Uh, 5,000 for the fourth year in a row. For the fourth year in a row. That, I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. It, it is. It's almost impossible. And then when you look at the amount of the companies that are doing more than $400 million in sales, mm -hmm. um, I think we're either one or two in the Inc. 5,000. That's what makes it even more right. impressive. It's a lot of the companies in there, uh, no disrespect to them, are growing from 100,000 to 10 million, which is right. incredibly difficult. Sure. And that's an incredible accomplishment for them. But to be able to still be doubling with the size that we are, and yeah. we will 
more than double again this year in 2021, and we expect it to happen in 22 and 23. It's crazy. So um, it's it's awesome, but we also have to evolve, right. and we have to have and bring in people that are much smarter than myself. That's one of the reasons <laughs> Steve is here, right? <laughs> right, and uh, we need to be more focused on policy. We need to truly get the utilities to understand that solar is an incredible thing. Renewable energy is an incredible thing. And a part of that is educating one of the last industries that are a regulated monopoly. And that's really what they are. But one of the things that Steve mentioned early on was that you have utilities that are trying to figure out to get their customers use less of their product. Yes. And he said he's an energy economist, which I've never heard that <laughs> phrase before. And I, it just fascinating to me, you yeah. know, you, when you run a business, you're trying to sell more of your product Yeah, and think about the dysfunction in that statement that they're trying to figure out ways to use less of the product that they sell. Yeah. And that's where the needs to be truly trans transformational. There's so many new things like hydro and wind and solar, and there truly is a future of 100% renewable energy, and it can happen in my lifetime, hopefully, and that's what drives me to do the things at Freedom that we do on a daily basis. So it's really excited. Um, sorry for the long-winded answer. Not at all. Very, I'm very passionate about it. That's why I ask you these questions, because I love to see the fire in your eyes. It's amazing. So, Steve, um, let's talk about kind of today's centralized energy system. So, for those listening that may not understand what that means, if you could just break it down. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. And and just to kind of go back a little bit, like when we talk about um, one gigawatt, that's a thousand megawatts. Yeah. And so, as Brett mentioned, we're going to be there, you know, pretty soon as a company. And to put that into context, that's the size of one, you know, nuclear power plant. So we're going to be pumping out one nuclear power plant each year yeah. uh, in solar equivalent. And a nuclear power plant today takes maybe 10, 15 years to design and permit and build. So we're pumping out a nuclear power plant a year from our uh, operations team um, installing all that rooftop solar. So it's really just the scale of that is just amazing. Yeah. And so it's it's super exciting. And, uh, and the other thing I just want to comment on is is I really am excited about uh, Brett and the leadership team's focus on education, right? Yes. We really do need to educate our employees, our customers, our supply chain, the utilities. Uh, and as um, I spent a bit of my career as an academic, and I was really uh, floored at the lack of energy literacy. Like people don't understand energy. They right. don't know what a kilowatt hour is, a BTU. I would have students that would come in to my classes and, and have no idea where their energy came from or how they heated their homes. So it's right. really a huge task. And I think Brett is 100% right that in order for us to realize the vision that we know we can deliver on, it really is, uh, education is, is a huge part of that. Absolutely. So that's a that's a big of, a bit of a segue into this. Uh, what we're seeing um, is the transformation of our electrical energy system. Um, so traditionally, you know, we build these huge energy factories, you know, in remote places, these large nuclear power plants or natural gas or coal, big mm-hmm. factories that generate electricity. And then we push that electricity through the transmission system uh, to the distribution system to our homes and businesses. So it was kind of this one-way flow of electricity from these large electricity uh, generation centers to where we consume electricity. Right. And so what we're seeing today is is the transformation from that centralized system to a more distributed system where 
people are producing energy on their own homes, on their roofs or in their neighborhoods. And so we're moving from the centralized, really, um, I would say, um, high risk system right. to a more decentralized distributed system that creates more resilience. And it's a, it's a really exciting to be part of a company that's really driving that transformation and making that a reality. And there are tremendous benefits, both economic and environmental benefits from moving from the centralized large scale generation and distribution to more decentralized distributed energy system. Very exciting. Yeah. So what is, what will it take for the distributed energy sources to become more mainstream? What, what is it going to take for that to happen? Yeah, no, that's, that's an excellent question. And, um, you know, as we, we mentioned earlier, it's, it's education. It's understanding that this technology is here today. It's available and it works and it's right. cost effective. So it really is uh, educating our customers about the opportunity. And well, yeah, then, cause it's uh, like what you were saying, sorry to cut you off, but it's like what you're saying, no. you know, people don't even know what a kilowatt is. People don't know where their energy is coming from. You know, when you consider the power poles, the power lines, the transmission stations, all of the employees that it takes to make this work, it's expensive. And they don't realize that they're paying for that entire infrastructure. You know, when you look at a, a utility bill, a lot of customers don't even realize that 60% of their bill is transmission and distribution charges. It's not even the electricity being generated. It's just getting it to your door. And that's where yeah. I, I, I really appreciate what you're saying about educating customers because they don't even know. They have no clue in most cases. Yeah, absolutely. And and the work that I did as a graduate student and a lot of the, the research that I've conducted since then as a consultant really is... Um, shining a light on the value. What's the, what's the value proposition of this distributed energy model? And uh, one of the biggest values, as you alluded to, is the avoid, avoided costs associated with building the transmission and distribution system that's required to deliver that energy from those large power plants to right. our homes and businesses. So one of the, the great advantages of distributed decentralized energy is you avoid those investments, you avoid the inefficiencies of that system uh, by producing power where it's being consumed. So it's it's really uh, an important part of that is that cost equation and, and what the benefits of that de decentralized distributed energy system uh, are to society. Right. But to your you know to your point, it's education and um, you know truth be told, it's a battle. The utilities, um, you know, we talked about the era of energy efficiency, and uh, now we're in a new battle with utilities about this transformation to a decentralized uh, energy system. Right. And so it really is a uh, a threat to their business model. Uh, and and efficiency was a minor threat in this distributed generation, distributed solar and other technologies is a major threat to their, their business model. And so they're uh, historically have been fighting this industry and uh, the battle um, continues today and we see it across the country. Uh, and it's really coming to um, uh, a battle ahead here in the state of California. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. So there is a lot of uh, work that's required to uh, develop policies and regulations that um, allow this transformation and the utilities are, you know, going to be fighting this tooth and nail. Right. And that's where, uh, that's where you and I sort of, you know, came, came together and partner get together is when um, AB 1139 in California was kind of rearing its ugly head. Uh, we did an episode a few months back with Dave Rosenfeld from the Solar Rights Alliance, and they had put together Save California Solar, which was fighting against the utilities. So basically, out of public view, utilities like PGE, Southern California Edison, 
San Diego Gas and Electric, they were hoping to increase their profits at the expense of California solar consumers with AB 1139. Steve, can you talk a little bit about that and, and, and what we did to kind of combat that? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's That was a real exciting victory for our industry absolutely. in defeating that uh, AB 1139. And so, uh, and this kind of goes back to one of my um, roles as the policy director at Freedom is really engaging with um, the industry and our stakeholders. Like we have, uh, we exist within an ecosystem of other solar companies and other organizations that are really committed to this clean energy, low carbon future. And so in my role, I'm collaborating with folks like the Solar Energy Industry Association, with the Solar Rights Alliance, and folks from Solar United Neighbors, which is another great nonprofit. Uh, you've got Boat Solar, which is another nonprofit that's focused on kind of creating policies and regulations that support this transformation. So uh, right. what happened with AB 1139, that coalition of common interests of Freedom Forever, of our partner Sunrun and other solar companies, uh, in addition to uh, the CALSA, which is an incredible organization, the California yes. Solar and Storage Association and Solar Rights Alliance, and they really rallied the grassroots efforts to get hundreds and hundreds of people to call the state legislature. We had a rally uh, in Sacramento. We sent uh, a bunch of our employees from the Sacramento office with trucks driving around and, and letting the legislature know that we aren't going to stand for this. This uh, was a what they called the utility profit grab. Yeah. Utility behind closed doors uh, worked with the legislature to promote this legislation that would have really killed uh, the rooftop solar market in the state of California. So this victory really is testament to the coalition, the, the the groups that are aligned around this transformation and really exercising their grassroots power to uh, sway um, the legislature. So it's very exciting. Right. Yeah. And, you know, when you consider what's at risk when utilities start attacking solar is it's not just the rights of solar users. It's not just, you know, those who have solar on their homes already or those who are trying to get it. You think about all the jobs, you know, there there are thousands of jobs in the state of California that would have been affected by this if it had been passed. And so, you know, being out there and seeing the solar workers with their trucks, we, we made a lot of noise. I think we had like 10 or 12 trucks out there circling the Capitol. We had a lot of signs. We had a lot of people screaming and yelling and, and just making a lot of noise to let them know, hey, we don't stand for this. And you're trying to take the rights away from these solar users. You're trying to take jobs away from solar workers. We're not going to stand for this. Yeah, and one yeah, of the things no. I, one of the things I want to just add and touch on is the dichotomy that we have with what is going on today. We are here in this battle in California with NEM 3.0, mm -hmm. and we also are having announcements from our federal government talking about that by 2050 we're going to have. 50% of our generation is going to come from solar. Right. Uh, and for somebody that just doesn't know it, it even comes from the industry. It's so confusing. Absolutely. Can you please unpack that, Steve? Because it just literally is such a dichotomy I struggle with. And trying to explain it to people that are not within our industry, it's very confusing and scattered. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great observation and very exciting news uh, just uh, yesterday from the Biden administration, they came out with a report that uh, talks about what it's going to require to meet our uh, zero carbon electricity goals. Um, and it really, for our industry, particularly exciting, we're at 4% of uh, electricity is generated from solar today. And this new study finds that it's going to have to be 45% by 2050, which is going to require 
the industry to double uh, its size in the next couple of years and then double again to really meet that meet that goal. Uh, but to Brett's point, really, there almost is this false um, choice between a centralized renewable energy system and distributed mm-hmm. energy system. And it's really no longer a question, at least, well, not in all circles, but in most circles that we need to transition to a zero carbon grid, right? I mean, it's right. recognized, you know, we've got hurricanes more intense, more frequent. We've got wildfires and droughts. And so it's it's really a, an exciting time in that public awareness, I think, is really growing uh, and about the need to, to make this transition. And, um, you know, as Brett was saying, um, you know, we're getting conflicting uh, information about, like, what's the future looking like about, is it rooftop solar? Is it um, utility scale solar? Is it offshore wind, onshore wind? And the reality is it's going to take all of these um, approaches to get to uh, to meet our, our climate goals in the in the coming decades. So it's going to require large utility scale solar. It's mm-hmm. going to require solar on you know most roofs. And so it's not one or the other, but the utilities really want to tip the scale towards more utility scale centralized because that's kind of what they're familiar with and that's the business model that they are most comfortable with. But the reality is again um, we have to continue to grow the distributed rooftop solar market. That's certainly part of what the Biden administration was coming out with, and it's understood within certain circles within California. But this NEM 3.0, Net Energy Metering 3.0, really is going to be crucial uh, for us to continue to grow that distributed rooftop solar market, and um, it's it's a battle for sure. Yeah. So uh, what we're referencing, the U.S. Department of Energy released the Solar Futures Study detailing the significant role solar will play in decarbonizing the nation's power grid. So some of the key findings, uh, a clean grid requires massive, equitable deployment of diverse, sustainable energy sources. A decarbonized power sector will create millions of cross-sector jobs. New tools that increase grid flexibility like storage and advanced inverters, as well as transmission expansion, will help to move solar energy to all pockets of America. A renewable-based grid will create significant health and cost savings, and supportive decarbonization policies and advanced technologies are needed to further reduce the cost of solar energy. Uh, if you want to read the study, um, we can put a link in the in the notes here. Yeah, and that, that jobs piece is important because when you look at uh, distributed energy, it creates more jobs per million dollars of investment than utility scale, like on the order of three times the right. number of jobs in the in the local economic benefits to the communities where those workers live, where they spend their money, where they're investing. Um, so that's an important benefit as well when you think about distributed solar versus large utility scale solar is there's a much, much greater job impact. I mean, our company now has uh, over 2,000 employees and growing day by day um, because it does, you know, it takes a workforce to get out there day right. in, day out. Yeah to roll those trucks and to get on those roofs and to, to bolt down that solar. Absolutely. And we've, we've talked a little bit about this on a few different episodes, but if you could talk about the increased costs to consumers, um, we had talked about the solar app and how that would reduce permitting costs, permitting times. Can you talk a little bit about the cost to consumers that, that we're kind of battling right now? Yeah, no, that's great. So I, th- I think folks know that uh, most most folks are aware that the, the cost of the modules and the technology itself have dramatically declined 90 percent over the past decade right when I when I installed solar at my home back uh, in 2010 I was paying two dollars and fifty cents a watt for modules 
and like today, Brett, what are we paying? Twenty-five cents per watt for modules, something in that range. I I, so, I, I wish it's much higher than that right now okay. because of what's going on in just the world economy and what's going on with the disruption of trade and the stuff going on in China. But yes, right. I would yeah. love for it to be that number, but right now we're probably fifty-five to sixty percent higher than that today. Okay, so yeah, so yeah, 50, 60 cents per watt. So still a dramatic uh, reduction in cost. And there are a lot of supply chain challenges that Brett mentioned, uh, lots of issues that we're tracking as, as a company as well. Um, so so when, you, when you think about a typical installation, uh, the equipment costs, uh, they're significant, but they're not really today the largest cost component of, of installing solar. There's lots of other costs associated with that uh, that have to do with permitting, um, licensing, and things of that nature. And so what they call in the industry, they call that soft costs. Those are the costs that aren't the modules or the inverter or the hardware that's used to install solar. So there's um, a consorted effort across um, different groups to try to reduce those soft costs to make it more cost-effective for homeowners to go solar. And so one of the exciting... Um, innovations is a automated permitting system solar app plus which has been de developed by uh, a collaborative effort led by the national renewable energy laboratory and this is uh, an app which automates the permit process so a um, a company can input the information on the project that they're planning for a particular customer and they input all the technical information and then they get an instantaneous permit um, if they accurately submit the required information. So this will be right. huge. This will bring the permit timeline down from uh, a couple of weeks, could be even longer, down to instantaneous. So that's going to really shorten our time and reduce our costs to uh, install solar. And it's happened in other countries. They We often hold um, Australia up as an example of a country that has really addressed that soft cost, the permitting challenges. Mm -hmm. and the cost of going solar in Australia is much less than it is in the United States because they've invested uh, time and effort to kind of reduce those that red tape in terms of getting these projects permitted and on the roof. Yeah, and Steve, I want to touch on this and make sure every one of our listeners understand this. We literally can install a solar project in one day. Everything else that's been created, and a lot of people go, it takes so long to get a project installed. And sometimes we are waiting for permits in this particular segment for four, six, eight weeks. It is ridiculous. In Europe, you can sign and sign up for solar on a Thursday and have it installed the next day on Friday and have your system working. All of these issues are, let's call it what it is, artificial blockers to delay and to make it more difficult for our industry. We need to get rid of the opaqueness of our industry. We need to be more transparent and we need to start getting panels on the roof within 24, 48, and 72 hours. And this is a key step in getting this getting us to that. And we are using it right now in some authorities having jurisdictions and AHJs as we call them in our industry. And we're getting it back within 30 minutes. It is absolutely incredible. It is more efficient for the AHJ. They can charge us the same fee, but they don't need human beings. It's like we're living in 1985 still with permits. Yeah, It's ridiculous and it needs to stop. And it's already being done in other countries. There is no reason to have these issues and these artifacts. This is a significant artificial blocker to making the customer happy. Yep. 
Yeah, no, I, I've, yeah, I totally agree, Brett. Thanks for emphasizing that. It really is critical that we bring greater efficiency to the process of going solar, and, and this is a really exciting step in that direction. So who, who are you working with, or, or what organizations are working together to push this forward? Yeah, the, the Solar Energy Industry Association, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory um, are a big part of pushing this out. So um, every couple of weeks, there's a group that meets to talk about um, state policy. How can we get this uh, out there so that more uh, HJs are using this system? They're going to benefit. We're going to benefit. It's one of those few kind of win-win-win opportunities. And so um, it's just a matter of time to, again, educate and inform uh, folks about this opportunity. And I know um, you know, our uh, director of permits, uh, Sam, um, is working with his permits team to present this information to HAs that we're working with. So even, you know, our employees can play a role in getting this out there, getting them more familiar with this, uh, the benefits of using the solar app. Uh, but there really is a, um, you know, a national effort uh, to, to make this uh, more common. Great. How can we be the adult in the room and work with the utilities very similar to what Mary Powell did with Green Mountain Power? Yeah. Other people haven't copied it, and I don't understand why, but how can we be the bridge to the utilities to help them understand that? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's 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 great. So you know, you, so you, utility industry, it's, it's what we call in economics, it's a, a regulated monopoly. So it wouldn't make sense to have a company stringing multiple, multiple companies stringing wires to your home, right? That's, that would be inefficient. Right. So what we do is we give um, a utility company the exclusive right to build transmission and distribution and then deliver that energy to our homes and businesses, and they are compensated for those investments. Uh, in other locations, uh, some of the utilities also own generation and they generate electricity and they deliver it to the consumers through the transmission and distribution system. So they're regulated by state agencies that oversee the quality of the service and what they charge. And so um, it really is um, navigating how we regulate these utilities mm -hmm. uh, so that regulators understand kind of what's the necessary transition from where we are today to where we need to be. And I think what happened here uh, in the state of Vermont, where I'm based out of um, Green Mountain Power, had a vision. They really understood that the writing's on the wall. This technology is coming down the road, uh, and we want to be on the front end of it. We want to be enabling this distributed energy future. Right. And so um, they had a very supportive um, state uh, regulatory commission that supported that vision and put in place the um, regulations and the policies that allowed Green Mountain Power to innovate, to install battery storage in people's homes and, and use technology to aggregate that storage to provide grid benefits. Um, so it really is, is, a, is a factor of having um, innovative thought leaders within the utilities, having supportive regulatory um, systems in place to enable this transformation. So it's it's interesting to note that Mary Powell, the former CEO of Green Mountain Power, which initiated this transformation to a distributed energy future, is now taking over as a CEO of Sunrun, mm -hmm. which is uh, one of our partners. And so she's going to bring to that um, role, this national solar company, this understanding of utility regulation, of utility policy, and she's going to be able to bring Sunrun 
run uh, the products and services they deliver to, I think, a broader array of utilities because she can talk the talk and has the experience and she can help them understand what's the necess- what's necessary to make this transition right. um, from where we are today to where we need to be into the future. So I think that's a real exciting development for our industry. Absolutely. So how, you know, in your words, how do you see Freedom Forever as contributing to the the distributed energy future? Well, what I, you know, Brett and the leadership team in this, the the title of this this podcast is Disruption, right? Mm -hmm. So we're really about disrupting uh, the solar industry and really bringing, um, really, I'm just amazed with what Brett has uh, brought as, from his experience in business, many years of business, bringing that discipline to the solar industry, which I think was lacking. So I think we're really disrupting on the operations side, putting in place efficiencies and programs that really are going to allow us to rapidly expand our operations and providing quality, low-cost installations to the masses. Really, we're 27 states. We'll be in 40 states in a couple – um, in a year or two. And so I really think uh, it's the disruption of scale and efficiency that uh, Freedom Forever is bringing to this industry. And it's super exciting and just really thrilled to be part of part of the team. Yeah. And, and with Freedom Forever and everything that we're doing, you know, there are also all these great organizations. Um, I wanted you to touch on maybe uh, what Solar United Neighbors is doing with the 30 million solar homes. Yeah, no, that's great. Like, like, it's, it's exciting, you know, we're a company, we're a business in this space. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's a whole ecosystem of different organizations that are really working to um, accelerate this transition to a clean energy future. And I, in my role, I've had the privilege of interacting with many of these organizations. Um, in fact, I just had the opportunity last week to speak with Anya, who's the uh, executive director of Solar United Neighbors. And they are really focused uh, at the grassroots. They're working with uh, homeowners who have gone solar who really want to accelerate the transition. They really have a passion uh, for uh, solar and want to accelerate its adoption in the communities where they live. So by leveraging this thousands, hundreds of thousands of homeowners who have gone solar and giving them an avenue to get engaged and to really promote the types of policies we've been talking about, the regulations, really require utilities to be efficient in their per, their process of um, allowing homeowners to go solar and dealing with the delays and permits, et cetera. And so by activating that grassroots, um, it's really, I think, a critical part to getting uh, to where we need to go. And it's and it facilitates our business. Uh, yeah. And so it's, it's exciting to be working with them um, and supporting their efforts. And it really is um, critical and very exciting. Uh, recently, Solar United Neighbors uh, put out a bold vision about 30 million solar homes by 2030. So we're at 2.5 today. So that's just massive, exciting opportunity for our company and for others as well. And that's just going to require exactly what we're doing as a company, efficiency and scale and and bringing this this technology to the masses. Uh, It's just um, really exciting to work with them. And that vision really just incredible they did this analysis which showed economic uh, benefits to communities if we're able to achieve this 30 million uh, solar homes uh, goal Uh, huge job opportunities huge economic development opportunities Uh, and so it's it's really um, exciting to to think that uh, that could be a reality and and freedom forever will be leading in that effort absolutely yeah 
And you know, with with that challenge, they're 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 addressing a few like major challenges. You know, one of those being climate change, but also economic downturn, and even social injustice. And they, you know, uh, if you want to learn more about that, we actually did an episode with Anya Schoolman uh, from Solar United Neighbors. Go check out that episode. It's it's a it was it was eye opening for me because you know when we think about solar, we're thinking always climate change, but there are so many other things that it affects with you know the the economy, with jobs, with uh, and again, social injustice. There's there's just a slew of of issues that they're trying to fight against. Yeah. Now, if you know, before we go, I just like to just say, you know, the solar technology. It's it's really amazing. It's it's so exciting to yeah. see this technology evolve. And when you think about, you know, as a species, we humans were pretty clever, right? We've only figured out four different ways to make electricity. Most electricity today is made by um, <clears throat> having a copper wires circulate at high speed around magnets so it's a generator so most of our electricity today is produced by this motion of copper wires moving around permanent magnets and solar is this amazing simple technology that converts sunlight directly to electricity and i think it's important to just step back and just realize how uh, amazing this technology is and the benefits that it can bring to humanity uh, yeah. as we make it transition from from fossil fuels to this uh, renewable future yeah absolutely absolutely well, um, Steve, thank you so much for, for all of the information you provided. You've done such great work since you've been here, and I know that Freedom Forever is very lucky to have you. I'm glad that we've had a chance to work together. Um, so thank you so much. We had mentioned a few ways to get involved. One of those is CALSA, the California Solar Plus Storage Association. Check them out at calsa.org, C-A-L-S-S-A.org. Uh, the Solar Rights Alliance, uh, that's very California-focused. Uh, you can join as a consumer. That's at solarrights.org. And then for Solar United neighbors that's uh they they serve a bigger portion of the country uh you can check them out at solarunitedneighbors.org another organization that's huge in you know just helping out with solar the rights you know all of the infrastructure everything else uh solar energy industry association uh that's at sia.org s-e-i-a.org uh, anything else you wanted to add, Steve? No, I, I appreciate the time with you guys this afternoon. It's been great. And uh, again, just thrilled to be part of the team. And I'm really uh, excited about what the future holds uh, for this company. Absolutely. Thanks for all of your hard work. Thank you. All right. For everything you need to know about Freedom Forever and the Solar Disruption Theory podcast, visit solardisruptiontheory.com. Also, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and help us share this podcast with the world. On behalf of Brett, Stephen, and myself, thanks for listening to the Solar Disruption Theory podcast. We'll talk to you soon.